This is Steel Some Time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Steel Some Time, Season 3, Episode 8 is here. Kelsey Steele and Scott Stewart on the mics with you today. Ready to talk all things USL and much more. Scott, I know you're just getting acclimated after your trip out west. It's nice to see you again. How was Cali? Yeah, I came back, which was probably... Yeah. A mistake, but um, I can look at doing that a little bit later. No, it was great. Um, unfortunately, did not get out to Championship Soccer Stadium, um, but was able to enjoy a nice family wedding. And the terrain in California is like insane. So yeah. just got to see like a different planet is what it felt like. Was that your first time to Cali? It was my first time. Oh, man. So just like immersing in everything then. Literally like taking it all in, like spent spent the majority of our Saturday afternoon just like driving just to like yeah look at everything that existed out there because not cornfield and not palm trees so it was nice that's all you know yeah that's all i know so it's nice to switch it up a little bit i love it and obviously we're going to get uh to, to the restaurant of the week here and in just a little bit because with you being on the trip that only makes sense so um but before we get there i do want to talk about some notable headlines from this past week because i think the big one probably to, to come out of this week is the story of christian erickson and you know it not being a soccer headline but truly a worldwide headline this week um an unfathomable event in Denton Marks and in Finland's match um this past week and uh I think what's really crazy to come all out of all of this Scott was the one incredible work from the doctors and, and the staff of, of, of Denmark to immediately um, be out there and, and take care of Christian and ultimately bring him back to life. The whole story is just so astonishing um, to me. But I also think on top of that, the player response was truly um, remarkable. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I took away from this was um, the immediate unity that came from um from the players and, and, you know, standing around him. And um, I just, I, I felt really touched um, by that situation as a whole. Yeah. I mean, the positive story of the week is Christian Erickson's alive for sure. Right. Like mm -hmm. looking like watching it. Um, I've only seen anything like that ever happen live once I was watching a, this was back when like Fox soccer channel, which RIP used to carry all of like their, the premier league games about like almost a full decade ago and watch somebody by the name of Fabrice Muamba, who had played for Bolton, um, drop on the pitch. And like, at first, you really don't know what's going on, right? And I, but it's one of those things where as a viewer, you never want to see that again. Like you literally, that is a traumatized, as traumatizing as it is as a viewer, like I can't even imagine being there in person. Um, but yeah, incredible leadership by the Danish team to just get out there and form that circle and just like protect Christian and, and console his wife and like be there for the, his family, like who had no idea what was going on. Um, and yeah, massive amounts of praise to the medical team for their speedy response and to the referee um, who was yeah. quick to call the playoff and, and make sure that that situation was being addressed. I mean, I think the, the fact that the Danish medical chief had said like literally he was gone I think just kind of like that's a very sobering and harrowing moment for us to be able to like look back on in sports so um yeah definitely like something that we never want to see again but for what is coming out of it some awareness on CPR techniques and just like the the amount of like on-time response that takes from from a team um is just truly astonishing so yeah just glad to see that he's living breathing whether he ever plays again or not is 
pretty irrelevant at this point. I saw a really cool graphic circulating on Instagram after, um, it, it might've been a day or, or so after at, at this point, um, but it said that this is the picture that should be circulating after um, this, this circumstance. And it was three techniques for CPR for an adult, a child and an infant and how to respond in those situations. And I honestly thought that was so impactful because I think that's something that like probably everyone's taken a class once for some odd reason. Um, but I don't know about you. I don't think I've taken a CPR PR class in probably, I don't know, eight to 10 years, like, that, you know, um, and, and I think that's probably the, the craziest part looking back at it is this is such a simple, um, necessary, you know, note to have, like you should, you should have this piece of information memorized at this point. Um, and it is pretty wild to kind of taking that step back and realizing like, I don't know if I'd be prepared in a situation like this. Like I could probably make it work, but um, definitely kind of some self-evaluation there and thinking, you know, maybe it might, might do me some good to, to do a CPR class here too. Yeah. yeah. And just like the fact that, especially for this team, that's one of their like brothers, right? So you've got to also put it in the frame of mind. It was like, how would I save a family member? Like, would I be, do I know enough to literally be in a position to save a member of my family? Should something like that happen? Um, Cause that literally is the most comparable thing for a situation like that. And I just like, again, there, there are a lot of like a lot of claps, a lot of applause that deserves to go around for everybody involved in that situation. But like, wow, just the fact that Christian Erickson was able to say, Hey, I'm okay. Is still just like the, the most shocking, but also like the most praiseworthy thing to come out of this. So I'm sure everybody would be very quick to say like, yeah, I could have played a big part or a small part, but the fact that he's alive is like, that's our, that's our win here. Um, so all the best is speedy recovery. Hope to see him on a, on a pitch again, but if not, um, just hope that he lives a, a very long and happy life from here. And it's a great story out of Simon Kyer too, the Danish captain too. Imagine like you're playing in the Euros, like one of the biggest games of his career. And he notices right away to, you know, stabilize Christian's neck, make sure he's not choking on his tongue, and then console his wife right in an instant. That shows you, like, a true leadership, and that that just proves, like, he wasn't made captain by accident. Yeah. Christian, of course, uh, coming out with a statement here just recently, thanking everyone, you know, for all of their support and kind words. Um, also acknowledging that he does feel better. But the big thing to come out of this is he wants to understand what's hap what happened to him. And I think that's really so what's so crazy about all this, Scott, is he doesn't even know what led up to this. I know there have been a ton of rumors floating around about COVID and vaccination, things like that. And, and I think it's really important to make that clear that it is still unknown what caused this, what maybe underlying condition he might have been dealing with and had not known. So, um, and I think on, on top of all of this, uh, as he moves on, his family moves on, that he gets some answers. And I think that's really important here as, um, you know, him and his family look ahead over the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm sure it's something where, you know, I think he even put this in his statement, like I'm waiting on some medical tests to come back for sure. Um, and that's kind of like the crazy thing that happens, you know, you can go through all these medicals, um, but things go unnoticed, things develop like this, you know, as rare as it is even having one person have this happen to is too many. Um, but better for Christian that it was caught in a situation where his life was able to be saved instead of like, God forbid, something much, much worse where we would have lost the player and the person. Um, a lot more important for the person than the player, for sure. So yeah, I think it's um, it's one of those where we're, we're going to have to keep an eye on it. But yeah, all the absolute best to him and his family moving forward.
a big positive to come out of a truly horrendous situation. So we're going to keep those positive vibes moving here as we move into our positive story of the week and lift this up uh, a little bit, Scott. And this one's really cool. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with Susie Hunter. She's uh, an MMJ, a multimedia journalist out um, for a new station in Connecticut. And um, she actually just decided that she was going to take some time away from um, from being a reporter and, and being on TV and spend 2021's Major League Baseball ball season traveling the country to every single ballpark um so her officially her, her journey just officially began um she's gonna vlog the whole experience um but as part of the project of visiting every single baseball park she's actually gonna be raising money for the boys and girls club of america along the way her goal is to raise thirty thousand dollars so 1k for um each ballpark so I, I just i think this is such a cool story her big note out of it was at the BGCA, she really feels like they're champions of youth sports, and and through that, kids learn so many valuable tools and skills that carry on to the rest of their lives. So she felt like that was a really important um, anecdote to have uh, alongside her journey. So um, just a really cool story, and obviously something that like many people I think have on their bucket list of being able to check off. You know, whether it's baseball, um, you know, NFL, whatever it may be, um, but being able to see every single ballpark, especially after 2020, where everyone's just so hungry for um that that impact i i just thought this one was super heartwarming and, and her journey uh just began i believe in, in pittsburgh this week so um she's uh in for a heck of a, a summer and, and fall yeah i've had a couple friends who have done that like taken just a couple months out of the year and just like gone and toured all the ballparks so one kudos because wow that's um that's quite an undertaking and i don't hear about it happening like it seems like it's a lot more of a baseball thing like I don't really yeah. hear a lot of people saying like, oh, I'm going to try and get to every NFL stadium in a year because one, I'm sure impossible. But two, like NBA doesn't really have that travel culture. I feel like baseball does. Like right. it's a lot more for like the casual common fan. So I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be an incredible summer for her. Um, the fact that she's raising money for a sport that was like, I don't know what baseball's youth participation is in terms of like percentage these days. Baseball was huge for me growing up. Like that was like one of the youth sports. So I think it's awesome that she's raising money for a cause. Um, we'll catch her at, at the, at the good old trot down here when she comes through. Uh, so cool. Something I'm so envious of. Do you have like a bucket list of, of parks, arenas, stadiums, anything that like are definitely on your list to visit? Yeah, for sure. Not like uh, just one sport necessarily, but I do have like, these are like the ultimate of the most ultimate venues. And like, I've, yeah, I will make it a point at some point in my life to go there. What's like top three? Uh, Wembley Stadium in England, for sure, just because it's massive. It's like a 90,000 seater. Um, Liverpool Stadium in Anfield. Um, I've already gone to Alang Stadium, so I can cross that one. Nah, I'm kidding. Um, for sure, two soccer. And then I, I would say Staples Center. Like, I just think that some of like, as a basketball guy, like some of the more like um, just iconic places, like even the garden um, would love to go to MSG as well. Um, like, I think that there are just a lot of ones where I would say this is top tier, but there are really only like a very few and far between that are going to make like the top five. This is happening. A cool list and one, you know, maybe if you have a, a sabbatical or something at some point, you can start hopping around the country yeah. and world, you know, and hit a few yeah. So yeah. um, I, I, I think that one's great. And you already hit a, a piece of the world uh, in the country as you went out west this week. So we have got to hear about the experience over in Cali and your restaurant of the week, because if there's anything that Cali is known for, we know that they eat good out there. Yes. 
Um, so I've been really looking forward to what you're going to come back for the show because it is only right that um, you highlight our, our restaurant of the week. So uh, Scott, what do you have? Yeah, for one, like everybody's just thin out there. And I was just <laughs> myself like, y'all just must not eat any of the food that's around here. Like, no wonder everything's so expensive. You guys don't pay at because all. Because they're so active. Yeah, but I was just like, I was looking around. And I was like, y'all just like, do you guys use ranch at all? Like, <laughs> Because if you do, there's no way you're going to look like this for that long. But um, no, California was great. Um, our restaurant of the week comes to you from the beautiful city of Temecula, California. Um, looked like a place that could hold some soccer games. I don't know what our listenership looks like in Temecula, but I do have to shout out Crush and Brew, um, who provided really, I think, two of the best things that I've ever tasted in my life. So one, they had a turkey avocado sandwich that just like blew your socks off. They did a really good chicken sandwich. They had a really good burger, but Kels, the thing about crush and brew and the thing that's really going to tune you in is they have this thing called a Zookie. Okay. It's essentially like a deep dish cookie. So it comes in the form of like a, a like a brick, almost like a brownie, what? but it is like layer on layer of just straight cookie. And I either... <clears throat> I knew that I either had to run a 5k the next morning or I could only have one bite because if I indulged beyond that, your boy was going all the way in. Like the whole thing was going down. So we split it between like six of us. Yeah. But this thing, like if you want dessert, like just book your ticket. It's about an hour and a half from LAX. Like just go down to SoCal, maybe swing by San Diego, say hey to our friends there um say hi to Landon and then uh maybe swing through Temecula and eat at Crush and Brew. I don't know if you could see the drool coming down my face when you started <laughs> talking about that cookie but I could literally feel it like I had to like jaw like push my jaw back up that sounded incredible and it's cool being on the other side of it as you're kind of taking me through like I'm going through the pictures here on the menu in 110 percent this is a place I would smash yes 100% completely on board. Their uh, cocktails and um, draft beer selection looks superb also. Yeah, like I literally, we ate and I went to bed. Like that's <laughs> how I felt about myself. I ate and then I was like, you know what? We're just calling it. Like got an early morning tomorrow. Let's just like go watch some Stranger Things and just like doze off. Like that, it's that good of food when your next move is sleep. Yeah, like that back. is the standard we set. That's a day's work. That's a That's job a well done. Work. It felt like a whole eight hour shift getting through it, especially the cookie, but worth it. Well spent. And I paid them. So they win. <laughs> All right. You're, you're here to hear Crush and Brew. Add it to the list if you're over near Temecula, California. Amazing Rex Scott Stew. If I'm out there anytime soon, I have to get that that sandwich that screams uh, Kelsey Steele. So I'm, I'm all aboard that. Appreciate you taking the reins for this one and letting us in a little bit on, on your weekend in Cali. While you were there, week eight was well underway across the USL championship. And, and I think initially here, I, I, I want to touch on the Tampa Bay Rowdies because we haven't spent ironically a lot of time here in the last few weeks talking about them because yeah. i think we when it feels like we, we 
somehow mention them in every single episode, but also too wanted to make sure that we were getting a full scope of everything across the East, right? So I think it's time because we are continuing to see the same result out of this club that has me convinced that they are without question the team to beat in the East. So the Rowdies respond to being a goal down with two unanswered goals of their own. Foster Langsdorf, he makes his addition to that Rowdies attack with the game winner in the 85th day, take that one uh, 2-1 over Loudon a I think a real grit performance out of the Rowdies um you know I think we, we talked about um uh, offline that it was somewhat of a slow start with the Rowdies which I don't think is necessarily a huge surprise like the Rowdies aren't always that club that's going to come out and punch you in the face right like no. I think that's when you look at the difference between them and Phoenix Phoenix is a much more like we're going to punch you in the face as quickly as we can um which might be an awful analogy but you get you get where I'm where I'm coming there um so I, I think the coming out of this one my question for you Scott is do you think Foster Langstorp is going to fill the absence of an injured Steven DeSantos? Yeah, I mean, he's got to, right? Like, that is that is literally what you saw how quickly. And, like, when the DeSantos news came out, so now I'm restarting a sentence three times. When, <laughs> when the DeSantos news came out, like, you saw how quickly Neil Collins moved for somebody, right? Like, this was like a, they clearly felt the weight of DeSantos' impact. I mean, he was on fire. He was scoring almost every game. Like, his... His name was in the Golden Boot conversation just as much as Gwenzati's. Um, so you when told he us when he was on the show. He said yeah. when he was on the show how much of an impact Stephen had made and how badly he wanted him. So, I mean, it, it's it's a natural next move for him. Yeah, and so, like, and especially when it's indefinite, like, you're not slapping a timetable on somebody's return. You got to move for somebody, right? And clearly, Gwenzati is reliable. Gwenzati plus one makes you one of, if not the most dangerous teams in the league. So, Obviously, Langsdorf, like, look, it could have come either way. I think, you know, Coach Collins would probably say at the end of the day, his team deserved a win. But I think he's probably, we're always probably going to get that out of Neil. He's probably always going to say that. Um, but this is one where sometimes it bounces your way and sometimes it doesn't. So for Langsdorf to, like, take advantage of the, the opportunity that literally, like, you're going down to the wire, somebody's got to score. It falls on his doorstep. He's able to put it home. But... So it's not always going to happen that way. My point in saying that is something different about Tampa Bay is going on right now in terms of whether they're just getting the luck their way right now as well, whether they've just trained themselves this well in execution. I think it's probably a little bit of both, but you don't get result after result after result, Charlotte aside, where they are really just putting their stamp on the game, maybe getting a little bit of luck their way. But at the end of the day, you're looking at this team and you're like, there's not really one who I'm going to see bringing a heavy challenge outside of the one team we've already seen them play and they won. It's just, I feel like I just keep going back to that conversation we had at the beginning of the year. And it's so hard for me not to lean towards Tampa Bay and Phoenix at the end. Like at this point, no one has convinced me otherwise. Um, and listen, we still have a long season ahead of us. And frankly, I hope that that I'm I'm proven wrong, you're proven wrong, because we love seeing the the, the parody. But um, I, I think the one thing that we're seeing out of the Rowdies day in and day out is that consistency. And that is what's going to get them uh, to, to that final game in October, November. So um, obviously, no matter a win's a win, doesn't matter if there was a little bit of luck involved, three points is three points. So 
uh, obviously a big one. And I think too, it'll be interesting to see how Foster kind of gets himself acclimated here as he allows himself to have that time, um, especially in the locker room as well. So obviously a big three points to come out of uh, the Rowdies at Alling as well. They move on to, to look ahead to week nine. We go over to the Western Conference because we have an El Paso side that brought us a four point swing after week eight with a win over with Indy and a draw with Colorado Springs. Have you seen enough now of El Paso to figure out where you want to put them in the West, Scott? Uh, I've seen enough to know that they're not going to go away, right? Okay. Like they, they are for sure going to be a part of the conversation, I think, at the end of the year. I mean, they're, they're unbeaten through six, which is good. Obviously, they'd want a couple of those draws to be wins. Um, and look, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I think I've, I've already given Indy fans enough reason to hate me this year. Um, they dominated dominated Indy yeah. like that, at no point in that game did I feel like Indy was going to do something to take the the El Paso attack or just rhythm out of sync now they score a really good goal against Colorado Springs and obviously they're not able to hold on at the end of the day I think you can look at a couple things obviously shorter rest period which is something we've heard a lot of coaches talk about already really honing in on the shorter rest shorter rest I'm having to play the same guys Wednesday and Saturday, it for sure takes a toll. Um, but I think for El Paso, like the Indy win in the Colorado Springs, like draw kind of offset each other. But again, enough to know that this is a resilient side. This is a side that is playing the way that they want to play. And I think more often than not, it's going to get them the result that they desire. Would either one of those with the, the Rowdies result and El Paso result, would either one of those go into one of your no most notable results from week eight? Or is there a different one that fills that? void for you yeah I mean I think the the El Paso indie game like does fit that for me right like we were kind of interested to see especially against again two tacticians that I we have a tremendous amount of respect for in Indy's Martin Rennie and El Paso's Mark Lowry um I think Orange County's win over the weekend was just as impressive though I mean I don't think like it wasn't necessarily anything where you're going to look at because Oakland, right? Like it, there's not anything to be said negatively about Oakland. Um, but the, we know they're not like big contenders, but I think Orange County just getting the job done is one. Uh, the only one that I really honed in on Sunday, like the, the Charlotte Hartford game for Charlotte to complete a comeback and then score two goals really in the last 10 minutes to take away um, a really important home win over a very good Hartford side. I think they are low-key, the team that nobody's talking about, but everybody should be paying attention to. We talked about them last week and then weeks prior, to be fair, Scott. So I don't know if that puts us ahead of the, of the pack here. Trump but I, like, I'd like to name drop because we've, we've been eyeing this all along. Yeah, no, 100%. I don't, I don't want to lump us into the conversation. <laughs> I just think naturally, like, you don't like you probably look at like the indies and the louisville's and i'm sure some of it's like postseason status and just like bigger bigger quote unquote um names that pop out and i don't know if it's like fan base related or like social related like whatever it is but i just don't think charlotte like there aren't a lot of people that are doing the beck and call to like watch the independence on a saturday or a sunday but they should be i think that's the point right like whether charlotte ends up going all the way this year or not like they are they are holding down the fort and they are showing what they're able to do um so yeah a hartford win is big it's important 
It's important. Lastly here, Scott, I think a notable uh, takeaway from week eight is the, the draw that we saw between Mexico United and, and Austin Bold. New Mexico returns home, has an amazing um, Pride Night display, an incredible celebration as, you know, as they do, as on brand for, for that um, New Mexico side, but yet again, not able um, to, to deliver the result that they needed. So are you going to buy yourself that New Mexico United is going to be able to deliver the offensive production they need to to be a, a threat here in 2021. I will buy it, but man, you got to see it to believe it, right? Like they have, they have one goal in 270 minutes of play. Like the, the Loudon loss, they got blanked. They were able to beat Monarchs, but it was one Oh, and then again, blanked against Austin. And I know that like we talk about, New Mexico United's consistency, right? But I think like what's, what I'm beginning to understand or maybe just like observe is the only thing consistent about them is their roller coaster nature. And some of that is in offensive like flair. Some of that is in defensive stability or fragility rather. Um, but I am going to buy it. I do think that they are going to hit a higher patch. New Mexico has a tendency to peak a little bit later in the season. So I certainly don't think we're looking at the best of them right now, but it does kind of beg the question of how long are they going to be comfortable with just like doing the best they can and just kind of skating by as results come, they come versus like, Hey, it's time to pull up the bootstraps and like really make sure we're playing our best soccer heading into the most important time of the year. Production has to happen. And especially as I look towards October, something's got to give. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so frustrating, I think, because it, it is that narrative. The, these last few years with New Mexico is the pieces are there to score and to have that offensive production. It's just something is always preventing that from happening. Um, so I, I would love to see that that switch um, turn on for them and, and really move toward a, a heavy offensive um, second half of, of 2021. Yeah, and I don't know. I think they have the pieces, right? Like they at least have the people they need. Brian Brown is a goal scorer. Devin Sandoval is a goal scorer. Like Ilya Illich is a goal scorer. They have the people but with eight goals in seven games, like you're starting to look at New Mexico and say, if we can put two past them, like we've got a decent shot, at least at a point, potentially at all three, just going on average. So I know they've had a couple of three goal games, but that makes it almost even worse because that means that that six of your eight goals came across the span of two games, which means that you've scored two in five, which just is kind of a worrying notion. So I think they'll pick it up. Um, they may not ever eclipse like a three, four goal a game type team, but they're going to have to start doing more than they're doing now to get it done. Looking for that production as we move into week nine, that'll do it for, for week eight coverage. Plenty to look ahead as, as we look ahead to, to week nine here. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about our social moment of the week. Hey guys, this is Yawking Grass, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Welcome back to Steal Some Time. We're getting right into our favorite social moment of the week, and this one came out of nowhere, almost maybe in the sky where Mars is hanging out. I'm not quite sure, but the Rochester Rhinos are active on Twitter, so much so that uh, they actually announced on Tuesday in a tweet that uh, Premier League star Jamie Vardy has become a co-owner of the club. Um, 
we don't really know what's going on, you guys. Um, that it, it, it's up for, for speculation. I think the biggest thing here is we are as surprised as you are. And um, this was quite a, a, I mean, a laugh, if anything. Like, it was just so like, where did this come from? It's just, I, Scott, what did you think when you saw, when you saw that? Yeah. Um, is this a dream? Am I in a simulation? <laughs> did I like... Did I eat some really like weird pizza last night? Like, did somebody do something to me that I don't know about? And uh, a lot went through my head. And I think like, look, there's only so much we can say because like we don't know what the future of the Rhinos right. looks like. And like, we don't know what that what that means or where they're going to play or like if they're going to play. Like, we don't really know what that is. Um, but just like some interesting quotes from Jamie Vardy, like no matter where I looked, like it just kept coming back to the rhinos. And like, I just thought of all the active projects um, or inactive projects in the world, Jamie Vardy lands in Rochester, New York with the rhinos. Um, yeah, look, I'll just say different reactions for Marshawn Lynch in Oakland and Jamie Vardy in Rochester. And I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to lie. I looked at the photo for probably a good 60 seconds, convincing <laughs> myself that it was photoshopped. I was like, yeah. this, I don't think the scarf is on this guy. Like, I just, I don't think this is real. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think the best part of the whole thing, honestly, was like scrolling through my feed and it was just quote tweet after quote tweet after quote tweet from the entire soccer universe and everyone else being like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And I can imagine like fans in Leicester, like reading like, okay, so Jamie Vardy's been bought in as a part-time owner of an inactive team who hasn't kicked a ball for like three, four years now. Like what yeah. is actually going on here? And I'm sure we'll find out. I think the next few months are going to give us some answers that we're all waiting for. But for now, um, cool Tuesday, like world breaker from Jamie Vardy and the Rochester team. I love it. Social moment of the week right there. Good good to hear from you, Rhinos. Lo love to see it. Let's get into our week ahead here. Week nine is uh, well underway. A USL and ESPN match. Uh, Indy and Pittsburgh will be colliding there uh, for, for that matchup on ESPN Deportes. I think that one, I don't I, I don't want to say lackluster, but I do think that one is a, is a lot of question marks um, with, with two teams that kind of have been just a, a bit like this the whole the whole season um and really I feel like you could toss a coin that one could go either way yeah I mean so Indy is winless in three Pittsburgh is winless in two um I don't know like I think I think good news for Pittsburgh no Tyler Pasher so I think we can like start and end there with them um but there is there's just so much that remains to be seen from these two sides and like I'm either gonna fall asleep 10 minutes in um, and I mean that very respectfully, right? That's not like me coming at either team. It's just both of them have a tendency to be a little bit slower in their play and their buildup and stuff. So who knows? It could end up being a really exciting game. We could get like a 2-2 out of it. Um, I hope that we see some sparks and attack from both sides. Both teams certainly have the players to do it. Um, I'm just worried. I'm just worried that we're not going to get the show that both these teams we know are capable of producing um, simply because rhythmically they just haven't been who we've expected them to be recently mm -hmm. that that one's going to be an interesting one and then i think when we look down at the following day scott wednesday night have you looked at that slate massive yeah. 
We have an eight-game Wednesday night slate, you guys, and might as well be Saturday at this point. Um, uh, uh, so quite a few, honestly, really um, exciting games. I think the big one to come out of that one for me is probably the meeting um, between uh, San Antonio and New Mexico. That's going to be a really interesting one. Um, I, probably the biggest one for me in terms of like what I had my eyes on that night, you've got the, the third and fourth place teams, the mountain division right here. So San Antonio can squeeze into second place in the division with a win on Wednesday night, which, which shows how tight of a race you have right now um, in the mountain division. Is, is this the opportunity for, San, for for New Mexico to be able to make that offensive production click over San Yeah, Antonio? it would be great. It would be great, for sure. Like, I think, um, you know, like, I think this week we have a lot to look forward to, period. Like, I think there are a lot of good games. I had a feeling we were going to lean towards San Antonio, New Mexico, just because, like, again, we just asked questions of New Mexico. San Antonio, I think, is a really, really good team. I think they're, they are also in a cycle of we're waiting to peak until the right time. Right. Um, but I think that San Antonio is going to like, look, my early season predictions on New Mexico have not produced any fruit. So like, I think San Antonio has a very, um, a very real possibility of finishing above New Mexico. Um, but most important to them have a very real possibility of going to, um, to New Mexico and actually getting three points from this. So I think now more than ever. Yeah. If you're New Mexico, you probably want to win this one just to show like, Hey, we're not just comfortable, you know, just kind of rolling along as we see fit, um, but not an easy game for them to roll into and host. And I, I think New Mexico hits a road stretch after this too. So they're going to want their last game at home for a while to like be one that's fruitful. So are you going to buy that San Antonio makes a two place jump in the rankings on uh, Wednesday night? Yeah, I will. I, again, I love this San Antonio team um, and I love this New Mexico team. I just, I'm a lot more privy to give it to San Antonio off the bat. Okay, all right. Let's talk about the East, though. On uh, we, We've got a big Central Division class between uh, Birmingham and Louisville um, as well. I believe that one's on, on Wednesday night, too. Um, so, so let's not forget, I think they're going to kick us off um, on Wednesday night. So that one's an interesting one. Um, obviously, Birmingham um, with, with the hosting duties in this mm -hmm. one. I, I truly think Louisville's going to gain some ground here. The standings are a little misleading at this point. We have to remember that Louisville's a few games back right now. Um, so it it's not necessarily at level play. Um, that being said, we've seen a lot of good things out of JJ Williams here in the last few weeks. And I think this is a really big stage for him to kind of continue that momentum. Yeah. I think for Louisville, this is a massive week. Um, and it, like you said, it's very, very young. So we don't want to start drawing like overarching conclusions. That's why I was very careful to, to talk about Orange County and Oakland earlier because yeah. we don't see Oakland as a contender, but they've also played like six, seven games. So who knows, right? Uh, but for Louisville, this is a great opportunity because they have Tulsa on um, Saturday. So to be facing Birmingham and then Tulsa, who's also at six game played, it's a big chance for them to jump. If they win both those games, they could very easily be at the top of the central division. So I think the way that the Louisville-Birmingham game played out the first time, I think Louisville fans felt a little hard done by. Um, Birmingham maybe not deserving of the penalty they earned. Louisville may be deserving of a penalty that they didn't ultimately end up getting the call for. So I think they're going to look back at that experience and maybe feel like a little misjudged um, or maybe looking for some extra justice. But I think Wednesday, Wednesday's got a lot of potential, but I think this is a great one to kick us off. 
yeah, well, Wednesday is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I think like you can almost look at it as like a, a hump day fun day, right? So get home from work and, and get on ESPN plus and, and have yourself a little bit of an evening. And then if you want, you make it all the way to Saturday, because guess what? We've got San Diego and Phoenix again. Say it ain't so. Uh, what the third, third meeting this seating, uh, this, this season, Scott, um, is, is this the chance that San Diego is, is able? Um, to, I think what's frustrating is that, th that their previous meeting would have been the one. I think um, that, I just think there's too much going right for Phoenix right now um, to, to have any sort of bump in the road um, at this point. Yeah, what we know about San Diego is they know Phoenix better mm -hmm. than they ever have. Yeah. So they are certainly intimately familiar with how they play what we still don't have an understanding of is if they're able to actually stop them. Um, and I think that, again, you've just got to, you got to really feel like they had to walk away from being 2-0 up to 2-2 and two goals in stoppage time to just like feeling a little dejected um, about that specifically. Now, that said, nice boost of a win over the weekend. Um, I think that, you know, to, to come back and, and get three very valuable points is always going to help you in the long run. So I think that's a beautiful thing for them. And, and hopefully they're able to carry some of that momentum into the weekend. But you said it. Phoenix has not shown, even off the back of their loss to the Rowdies, that they have ever been able to be like judged just down and out. There's just nothing that seems to truly stop them from rolling their momentum from game to game. Um I don't know. I think Phoenix is probably still going to end up winning this. And that's just like, it just seems like you're almost getting into like Thanos inevitable territory where you're just looking at like the infinity stones and you're just like this guy again, but like, yeah, this guy again. And um, his name's Santi Moore. Who, who um, also his streak ended this past week. We did not yeah. make a note of, um, but, but nothing to, to be, to hang his head on. Uh, Solomon Asante picked that right up where, yeah. where he left off. So, so no worries there in the, in the Phoenix camp. Well, we have plenty to look forward to in week nine. It begins this Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Deportes. Indy 11 and Pittsburgh get us kicked off. Before we go today, Clay Benjamin, hit us with your question of the week. Okay, so we mentioned it earlier with the social story. Uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the Jamie Vardy to Rochester story. Uh, it just, it's, I'm just like laughing to myself, like at people in Leicester trying to pronounce Rochester or the fact like they'd even know it's a city for one, because like when Leicester first came to the Premier League, no one in the United States knew how to pr pronounce Leicester. So I just kind of see the reverse of that. So kind of going off of that, who, what celebrity? Or what athlete would you have to take over your favorite team? Could be in any capacity. It could be coach. It could be front office. But if you could pick any celebrity or athlete to have an active role in your favorite sports organization, who is it and why? With their, with their current resources, or do we get to give them, like, if I want somebody to own my favorite team, can we give them the money necessary for them to do it the way I want them to? <laughs> oh, my God. I got to add a qualifier. Oh, I got wow. what we're talking about here. Oh. Current resources, but if you want to make it an owner, they bring in their own resources in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Scott, it's not that serious. Stewart gets to think through the fifty thousand possibilities. <laughs> I can go first. I mean, that was a great. That was a great question. That honestly, I should have seen coming from you. That's on me. Yeah. No, it's good. 
Mine's going far out there. Um, I, I, I might be like one of those weirds out there. I don't have like a favorite professional athlete. Um, I've never, the only, the only professional athlete that I've been that like hands down this, like the, like my favorite player of all time is Ken Griffey Jr. Um, other than that, I haven't really, um, gotten like super, maybe that's because I work in sports. I don't know. Um, but be a celebrity. Yeah. So I, I would like to, this is so, this is so out of left field. Um, I, no pun intended, would like to see um, Blake Griffin uh, be a bench coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Let's hear it. Reasoning, surely. Um, so for those of you who follow baseball and for those of you who don't, the, the Reds have this like rejuvenated side this year. They've got some of these younger guys in there who are just bringing a lot of steam and fire. And, um, it, it may have started with Trevor Bauer last year being one of those guys who were just so vocal and so much like, I don't give a crap what you think about me kind of thing. Um, and I, I, for one, am loving the Nick Castellanos vibes this year that he's bringing to the team. So I think that Blake Griffin would come into, to this dugout and have a roaring time. Like, I think that this would be like the best mic'd up dugout that you could possibly have in all of sports. Um, like for the, for those who don't know much about Blake Griffin, he's hysterical, like a super, super funny dude. I remember watching him play in college. So I'm a fan there, but, um, he, I think that he would have a hilarious time with guys like Joey Votto and and Castellanos and Um, plenty of experience, like, you know, sitting on a bench. Too. so like he can bring that huge experience. that's fair I, i'm wishing this is a personality play i don't know i mean I don't, it's a great answer i'm just saying i gotta add that shot in there to play Chris. that's the best i have Stu. what do you have that's good i'm tempted to just say like so and so can just come play for my favorite team so we win everything um but honestly, like, I, I think what's best for me, I'm going to look at, like, doing more of, like, an owner, like, manager type role. And so I'm trying to combine, like, who's a good humanitarian? Like, who's a good person? Oh, you're being, like, a good person about this. Okay. Yeah, but, like, is also rich and, like, can do things, like, the right way. So I think, one, because I think he and I would be really good friends, but I also think that he would just be a really cool person to work with. I think that I would have Roger Federer come in to my life and manage probably the Indiana Pacers, probably just like have him come in, just like really like be able to spend some cash. Like the Pacers as a small mid-sized market can finally go above the luxury tax. We can sign a couple of superstars, like make a run at a, make a run at a trophy. Um, But also just because I feel like that dude is just like so cool and he's so good with people. So my loan condition would be he can come in, but he has to hire me as like his right-hand man to just like help make some of the business decisions so that we can go contend for a championship. We can work with the cool people and serve the city of Indianapolis. Yeah. See, he needs, he needs a local boy to like, you know, teach him the ropes. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm sure Roger Federer has long dreamt about a trip to Indianapolis, let alone an extended stay. So there's no uh, question that's top of his list. No question. We can hash out the details later, but I think that's where I'm going his uh rolex partnership can just steamroll this entire yeah, honestly easy it's and a easy. free rolex like when he wins his ninth wimbledon pretty soon here then we'll all be feeling good and then he'll really be he'll really be um jazzed to be aboard i love it these these could not be more different 
<laughs> for sure. For many different reasons. For so many different reasons. We'll, we'll cut it off there, you guys. Uh, for pl- plenty ahead here in week nine, it begins this Tuesday for, for Kelsey Steele, Scott Stewart. This is Steele's Inside. Oh, my God.